from talkradio.nyc. Welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors right here in tropical, rainy, hot Manhattan. On tonight's show, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, our passion for art. My guest this week is art expert and gallery owner Lee Weber. Lee and I are going to talk all about our passions for art and how art is essential to a successful interior. I want to ask Lee all about planning for art in the early stages of the design process. What conditions are best? How to make the best art selections? I'm interested in knowing all she knows about Hoffmans and Frankenthalers and the greatest of the great artists that she represents. Our hope tonight is that you are inspired to build an art collection of your own and surround yourself with art that is meaningful and beautiful. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Do you smile to tempt a love of Mona Lisa? Or is this your way to hide a broken heart? Many dreams have been brought to your doorstep. They just lie there and they die there. Are you warm? Are you real? Just a cold and lonely, lovely work of art. So, did you see that a right field sign from the old Yankee Stadium sold for $55,000 at an auction earlier this summer? Or just this past week, the golden age of Hollywood was celebrated at Sotheby's with prices surpassing estimates at their Hollywood memorabilia sale. The top prize was Betty Davis's Oscar for her role in the 1935 film Dangerous, which sold for a whopping $200,000. And have you ever noticed that some of the most successful exhibitions at the Metropolitan Museum of Art are those from the Costume Institute. Currently at the Met, Heavenly Bodies, Fashion, and the Catholic Church. In this, so far the largest exhibition speaking directly about the craft of fashion as an art form. Dresses as art? Betty Davis's Oscar? Sports memorabilia worth more than a painting? A well-known sports memorabilia expert says this. I see it like art, something that we grow up with and at the end of the day evokes passion in us. Our passion for art is one of our truest forms of self-expression. The American writer Willa Cather writes in the Song of a Lark, her secret it is every artist's secret, passion. That is all. It is an open secret and perfectly safe. It seems 
from the beginning of time, we have had a passion for art, a passion to be the artist. We have adorned our bodies with colorful pigments, beads, and feathers. We've buried pharaohs in golden sculpted tombs, painted frescoes on the walls of Pompeii palaces, and created elaborate mosaic floors from pebbles, seashells, and stones. Anthropologists and art historians both agree that man's early cave paintings are indeed truly art. So what defines art? Is art purely about beauty, about creating an emotional response? Many artists create works of art for beauty and the idea that beauty can transcend and can capture one's imagination. We can agree that art is very often all to do with the expression of beauty. Throughout history, much artwork was made for no other explicit reason than the production of beauty. Artwork is to be appreciated and admired. It is breathtaking and can make us feel emotional. We talk every week on this show about beauty. Most answers are a response to nature, a spectacular sunset, an autumn landscape. Nature and art are both beautiful. No matter how you define beauty, they can both dazzle us and hold us breathless. They can inspire us and make us feel connected to something. They can strike an emotional nerve that leaves an impact on us that is not soon forgotten. Perhaps this connection between art and emotion is inspired by nature's beauty. Like the incredible, majestic beauty of mandarin fish that swim in the southwest Pacific. They are intensely bold with bright colors and unique patterns that look very much like the intricate silk embroidery of the robes worn by ancient imperial Chinese mandarins. Or the Bengal tiger, graphic art at its best, bold black stripes against a muted gold background. You can immediately think of artist Gene Davis or crisscross lines of an empty parking lot at a shopping mall. And of course, the peacock, the peacock that has inspired great artists like James McNeil Whistler to paint magnificent interior murals and rich palettes of bluish green with overglazing and metallic gold, or the architectural wonder that is the Castello di Samziano in northern Italy. You know, and funny enough, if you look up peacocks in a scientific journal, scientists have no true explanation for that magnificent plumage. Believe it or not, it's not thought to be a sex magnet. It's just that peahens seem to really dig it. They are responding to magnificent beauty in front of them, just as we do. An emotional response to the beauty around us? I don't know. Don't we then, as designers, as interior designers, have a responsibility to create environments that respond to the beauty around us? to tell the story of those who inhabit the dwelling, to paint a picture of their lives. Who are they? Who are these people? What does this family have to say? 
What stories do they have to tell? What is the title of their painting? And then, once we've answered those questions, how do we do that? With fabric? With wood? With marble? How does a composer tell her story? With notes on a page? With wood and string and sculpted metal? How do we convey the art that is the family who lives there? Well, we do it with the pieces of their lives that have meaning. We fill it with musical notes, with paint, strokes, and color. We sculpt the interior with wood, metal, glass, and stone. We add consequence and remove distraction. And what makes interior design so unique, so special, so different than any other art form? It's that the occupants get to be in the song, in the painting. They are a part of the artwork. They are a part of the emotional response to their very own life story. They are the art. When we come back, my guest tonight, gallery owner and art expert, Lee Weber. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes. This is the closest I've come to being part of a painting Like I fell in a well of pastel an artist dipped in while he drew And I know if I remember every detail I can bring it home and paint it all for you You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi. I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
My guest tonight, Lee Weber from Weber Fine Art in Greenwich, Connecticut, and East 63rd Street right here in Manhattan. Lee and I are old friends and have done many projects together. Lee, welcome to At Home. Thank you, David. We're so happy to have you here. I start each and every show asking, what is your definition of beauty? And more specifically, what is beautiful inside your home? Wow. Well, I'm thinking about that right now. And to me, I would say that beauty is the total formation of one's aesthetic values. I think it's formed by your experiences and your relationships. And those relationships kind of meld into your lifestyle and, you know, taking it to your home. It's, you know, all of that as it comes together is beautiful. And that's, to me, the beauty of, you know, walking into a beautifully designed home with beautiful art that all works together. So that's a great answer. And we get all kinds of different answers. But that was an answer about creating what is important to you and what is beautiful to you as you go through your life, as your life journey plays out. Mm -hmm. Correct? Am I reading it correctly? Yes, that 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 is my way of life, my lifestyle, what I look towards. If you ask me that question, it's what I think about when I think about that word beauty. Terrific. And so anything in specific, anything in your home that, you know, you just to this day just you just think is absolutely beautiful. It could be one of your magnificent pieces of art. You know, to me, it's the harmony of the the interior and what's on the walls and how they speak to each other. And, and, and I'm a very visual person, so it would probably be really the color palettes as I walk into my house and I see, you know, the, 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 the this beautiful color fabric on my couch. And then I feel the whole room has this very zen. I'm a minimalist, so I, I feel like if the room has a very zen feeling to me, that's beautiful. It, you know, if just I could see each and everything for themselves and not, it's not chaotic and it's just very, each each piece, if, whether it's art or a piece of furniture, you know, stands out on its own. I always thought that in your homes that you have a tremendous balance, that your home is evenly weighted. And even though as an art gallery owner and an art expert, you have magnificent pieces of art on your walls, they always seem to be appropriate. They always seem to talk to the rest of the room, to who you are and to what your family is. And I always have found that to be incredibly powerful. And it and they've always represented, I think, the real soul and nature and expression of who you are. So I think that's outstanding. Well, thank you to your help as well. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't about me. That was all uh, about you. It, it really it really is um, important to me to live in an environment that has that feeling in it and that they connect to what's on my wall as well as that it, it, it becomes one. And people don't always think about that. They, they, they don't think about, you know, really until the end of their rooms are done, what what the walls are going to look like. We're going to give the show away because we're already deep in it. But yes, art is not applique. It's not an afterthought. It's not something that you kind of press on afterwards. It has to be integrated into the whole design. But again, I don't want to give up the whole show in the first two seconds. Let's talk a little bit about you and your galleries. I want to know how you started 
to have art galleries and and your success and your your love of art and all of the things that have helped people collect such beautiful magnificent pieces so i think it all started back when i took a job with art in america magazine um i started as you know just in a, um in the sales department there and, and then over many years i was there for almost over 10 years 12 years i became the art director and i got to travel all over the world and go into you know museum back rooms and gallery back rooms and i realized how much was really available and what was going on in the art world it taught me so much in my early 20s um and i decided that you know i always had a passion and i was very deep in into the art world growing up with a family in the art world and a father in the art world who was a professor at nyu you know going to studio visits all the time and so this was really um a great experience for me um i started out thinking that i would stay in that business of of advertising and then realize that my passion was really finding very amazing unique pieces and traveling around the world and then i decided to open my first gallery and when was that how long ago when that was how long probably have you had your first about gallery? Uh, 25 years ago I opened my first gallery and it was very private by appointment and then I ended up opening a second gallery in the town I lived in and worked and and had that for about 22 years Um, and then I opened a third gallery in Chatham New York because I wanted to be where a lot of the artists were and um, was there for about four years and now I've kind of regrouped and, and moved back to um, in, in the Greenwich area and now I have re- kind of scaled down to one main gallery. Fantastic. Before we just jump into the art business uh, as a whole, I just want you to tell a little bit about your experience growing up with your father, who was an artist, a beautiful artist, his experience with the major artists around him and his work at NYU. Can you just talk a little bit, elaborate a little bit about how that was as a child? Yeah, growing up um, with my dad was pretty amazing because we would go on studio visits. It was very much about seeing art. We we really, even though he was a professor, uh, one of the head professors at NYU in the art department, it was very important that every weekend we went out to a, a show or a studio visit of one of his friends. And he, this is during, you know, an early period of my life where he was really involved and working with all the new modernists, you know, so there were big names like Baziotis and, you know, he was very, he was teaching at a college where a lot of these very well-known artists were teaching as well. So, you know, I didn't really know, you know, at that point I was very, very young and yet I loved visit, going with him everywhere. I loved, you know, visiting studios. I loved sitting on his lap because he was a painter and he had his own studio in our, in our apartment. So I would sit on his lap while he was painting and we would, you know, he would just tell me stories about other artists. And so, you know, it was really in my whole heritage and my background of, of very early on 
seeing art, actually going to museums at a very young age. I want to just go a little bit further on that because I think this is really fascinating because you didn't just go with your father who had a cup of coffee and a chit-chat. They were kind of working, right? You were actually seeing artists do their craft and and see how they were creating and making their canvases. Yes. Am I exactly right? right. Yeah. I would. Yeah. And and maybe I didn't have the, the, you know, the greatest appreciation at the time, but looking back now, I really, I I realize how much I was my, my, I was open to at that time um, in my life and how much I saw. And I think a lot of my interest today and all through my early 20s as I was getting back into the art world was really was realizing that I had seen so much and I got I I got it I I, so I had an opinion on things and I you know and my job at Art in America really helped me to see more around the world I really traveled a lot with that job so it's just a wonderful concept for a child to actually watch creativity happen to be exposed to art in its making i think is incredible and it would be so wonderful if we all if all of our children could have been on tour with you that sounds absolutely i don't know just unreal and magnificent let's talk a little bit about just the art business art world owning a gallery you have major artists that you represent Hoffman's, Hans Hoffman, Helen Frankenthaler. We could go down the list. I have it here. Uh, Wolf Kahn, uh, Robert Palador. How how does that happen? How do you how do they come under your wing? How do you get to represent them and expose them to the people who have never seen them before? So you know, being in the art world, it's not only about having a gallery. It's about relationships. It's about before I even had galleries, I had relationships. I built many relationships with many other art dealers who handled different foundations and estates. And, you know, it, it, over time, you know, placing works in really important collections was the key to really being able to develop these relationships. And I think that's the the, the major part of, of my business today was that early on, I was able to meet these amazing dealers, whether it was, you know, on a trip to Italy or, you know, wherever I went, I, you know, I met someone new and developed relationships. But today, you know, working with some really important people in New York um, that handle the, the estates of different artists, long, long relationships gives me that availability to really, you know, hopefully place, you know, get great pieces. I've always been uh, impressed for you, impressed by you for many reasons. I have always admired your ability to curate collections. I think curate has such a strong meaning talking about art or even interior design. I love to think of myself as curating a home. Um, but you create wonderful combinations of different types of art. What is the common thread that allows you to take uh, abstract expressionist, put it in a home in the same room as a modern photographer, uh, photography, those kinds of things? How do, you, how do you make it a whole and how do you see that? Because you have an incredible ability to connect the dots. So everybody, you know, I, I, 
everybody has their own idea of what works with, with another piece of art. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you love, when you're working in a collection and you love one of the pieces in the collection so much and you build around that, I think it's really important to kind of let, you know, if you're working with, a, uh, you know, in one specific collection, let them, let, it's okay to mix art together. It's okay to do that. And I think it's, you know, again, it comes back to the aesthetic value of like what your eye, like what you feel looks great together. And I think that it has to do with seeing enough art and looking at enough art and, and kind of taking that chance and letting your, your collector know what, you know, it's okay that you can mix different mediums and you can mix different styles of art together. And, you know, you work from there. I, I, I don't think there's any like set kind of way to do any, to do this. I think it, it comes together. It's, it's my eye, it's the collector's eye, you know, eye. It's, it's very individual. So is it as basic as I'm in your gallery, I fall in love with uh, 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 WolfCon. And so now we have WolfCon on display and we also need a couple more pieces. You're, you're grabbing pieces and we're kind of holding them up together to see if there's harmony or an ability for them to talk back and forth to each other. Is it? Is there anything that, yeah, that with happens. the WolfCon, with the bright colors and this almost watercolor essence of his free hand is is that important to the next picture so i my one of my specialties and or expertise i should say is abstract expressionism so i you know if i'm selling somebody a wolf con or working with a wolf con painting it goes hand in hand with hans hoffman or it goes you know um there's a lot of um different scenarios I should say but I think that in general I do do what you say I do hold things up I do look at it but I kind of keep it in the same family um, and then there are times where I'll bring in younger artists who have worked in the same tradition or or, or looking to do the same as one of those masters and you know we 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 bring in a younger um, artist to mix in with these masters um but yes it is it is a lot of that you know introducing people to different styles and showing them how they work together one of the things that we talk about here all the time are the parallelisms of interior design and then whoever else i'm talking to whether it's an art expert or a graphic designer and i think there's something very interesting because we're also talking about how we deal with each other's clients so there's a balance that's being created let's say right the wolf Kahn and the hans hoffman so i think one of the great principles of interior design or design in general is then tension how do you then how do you get the client to go they don't they're not necessarily well suited but that's the idea they're not necessarily perfect together but we're looking just to create a little tension in the room i think that's kind of cool to be able to explain that to somebody i think that's very cool and i think that a lot of times you know when you go into someone's home there's things there there's works that you would never expect to place on a wall together that just happen um and i think that you know that's a really important thing is how you're displaying it and how you're putting them together and the location and the location and the rest of the environment and, and the environment of the room 
Terrific. We are talking to Lee Weber from Weber Fine Art. You can follow Lee on Instagram at Weber Fine Art. This is At Home, and we'll be back in two minutes to talk all about art. But I could have told you, Vincent, this world was never meant for one as beautiful as you. Starry, starry night Portraits hung on empty halls You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We are talking to Lee Weber from Weber Fine Art in Greenwich, Connecticut and East 64th Street here in Manhattan. Lee, I want to talk a little bit about our interaction as art expert, gallery owner, interior designer, how you deal with architects. Um, What are the clues that you take from interior designers or from architects about the environment? The, you know, perhaps we're in a post or a pre-war Central Park West, soaring 12-foot ceilings, plaster molding architecture versus a postmodern building across the park on Fifth Avenue. How much does what the interior designer and the architect doing um, influence or help you understand maybe what some of the selections for your clients would be? So it all depends on on what stage they decide to bring us into the project. So if it's in the beginning stages, we tend to like look at all the wall spaces and the ceiling heights, just like you said, and, and we look at that and decide, can we really go big? Can we do big photographs? Can we do big paintings? Like really what the scale of the art could be in here? 
I tend to like to do a little bit out of the ordinary. I don't like everything to look exactly placed the way you would think it would come in. So it really depends on what stage of the project they want us to come in. That's one of the questions that I had, which is, you know, I personally think that if you're interested in art or if there's even if you're hoping to have art, that we should think about it in advance because so many things happen in the construction project. Uh, process of where we're placing lighting, how the floor plan is working, what do we want over uh, our sofa. You know, if you have a 10-foot sofa and an 8-foot an picture light, we need to know perhaps what's going on um, on that wall. And so even if you're not able to have it in your own possession, it's nice to think where possibly art can be. Yeah, and that's what we do. We will, we would if, if it's a new collector or even the established collect. If it's an established collector, we really place art for the location. We find the walls. We know what kind of style of art. If it's a new collector, we really like to put in. We like to do books for our collectors. We like to do Photoshop into the schematics of of an architectural plan and three dimensional and, and show them how certain art can look, and then actually educate. Take, go on tours, go to art fairs, really go to auction, go really look at all the possibilities of the art that we're proposing. Well, so that was one of my questions too. How do you help your first young couple start to think about their art collection for what could be their whole life and the beginning, what those beginning pieces are? And I've been on those tours with you. It's absolutely a magnificent, wonderful thing to be able to do. And is that one of the great lessons or uh, teaching lessons that you can give to your clients? Yeah, it's really important to really go out and look at the art. You have to educate yourself by visually educate yourself besides really understanding the history if you want to of the artist you really need to go see it in person um, but we start with giving ideas of artists that we think would be really that we would recommend or think would be really great to start with um, as we get to know their taste and what the collector the new collector is you know, maybe looking for, um, maybe they don't know. So we really, we really do a lot of touring around. We really go to a lot of galleries and a lot of other art fairs. Yeah. Art fairs. Yeah. And, and books, of course you said, but you're really answering, I think some of the primary questions that this show tries to address, which is, um, being involved with what's around us to start to look at things that, uh, we have an interaction with as we go about our day and to start to notice things. And I don't think there's anything more important than if you're building a new home to start paying attention to the art at your friend's house, the art that's at the corporate office, the art that you go to the museum to see. And I don't think that you have to like it or necessarily agree with it, but it teaches you something about what it is yeah. that's important to you. Everybody has a friend that they've said, oh, I've been to their house and I saw they had so-and-so and I love it and, you know, but I don't know if I could live with it. You know, so, so really it's about developing, you know, relationships with your clients that you can then understand, you know, what is going to be best for them and, and understanding, you know, their eye and their taste and then seeking it out and looking for it and trying it out. Um, but again, it's about... It's about educating. It's about, you know, we take clients, we go, we go to pretty much all the art fairs, walk through them, spend f entire days walking through looking at art. But we don't just go there randomly. We really, we, we, we plot out 
art that we think would be right for the client and that after after getting to know them and getting to know their taste and getting to know their style or you know listening to them or seeing what they've bought in the past so that's how it, it what it they all, respond yeah. to emotionally you know it's really a long process it's not just overnight going oh you should have this or or you i know you heard of of this artist and 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 it's the you know hot artist of today, but it doesn't mean that that collector is going to want to collect that art. Right, You're, we're answering so many questions that I still have, so I'm going to try to stick with it. But what about a young couple? Young couple just starting out is uh, are you dealing mostly with um, investment that uh, is important and can yield great results in the future for them, so that their art collection grows as they sell and buy. Or are you still trying to get to nurture them to to sort of have them fall in love with something that they react to while you're walking through, or is it a combination of both? You hope it's like they're going to react to it and they're going to love it because you know no one has a crystal ball to know where any of these artists that are so young and and have reached such a high point are going to go to at that point because some of them in in you know in their 40s have already hit these big numbers so basically you know if you're really looking to invest you know to buy art as an investment you really have to know the track record it's basically some of the mostly the dead artists where you can really track you know the numbers but some of these younger artists that are very hot today and very sought after today are actually very hard to get. You know, the the inventory goes very fast. There's a long list, waiting list. So it's not as easy as everybody thinks. And so as an advisor and as an art consultant, as well as a gallery owner, you know, you have that ability to get them the art, that type of art. But, you know, you really, it, it's, you really have to think out, is that the route you want to go or do you want to start out? It, it, there's many different levels to start out at. Yeah, I think that's important. But yeah. it also, I think, answers or talks to, I should say, how important it is to have professionals around us. Uh, we get asked a lot here, when should I... When should I hire the interior designer? When should the professionals be a part of my new home or my construction? I think as early as possible. And I would think that for you as well. You know, the sooner there everybody's on board, yeah. uh, the easier and the, the, the better off the whole project is as a whole. Um, I want to go into trends a little bit more. I was a textile guy. I started as a buyer. Um, and you learn through those experience what trends work and what trends don't. For me, mostly it was color. Uh, I dealt a lot in background colors. Every year there was a different background color to a print on a fabric, et cetera, et cetera. I'm still fascinated by that today. Um, photography seems to be a really big trend in the art world right now. Massive pieces of photography on acrylic block uh, frames. Can you just address that a little bit? And is that do you do you see that as a trend, or do you see that more as a growing um, art, uh, a specific form of art? Photography. Well, I, I, I mean, just know, the idea of these massive pieces. I'm a big, as you know, I'm a big photography yeah, you, well, collector. I think I have maybe one painting, and everything else in my collection is photography. But I, I don't feel, I feel that photography is, you know something that you're even pat you have to be passionate about not everybody wants to add photography into their collection and if you do great i mean there's amazing amounts of photography and you can get some really big pieces and 
and cover a lot of wall space sometimes with photography and as it's harder to do with you know some of the paintings larger scale paintings so i think it all depends on your style and your taste and what you what you want i don't think there's any set you know rule about like oh photography so hot i think there's a lot of great photography out there and i and as i as you know i i'm a big a passionate collector so i think that um, I tend to love to add photography into collections that I work in. And and then does does photography mix well? I mean, you said that in your home you have mostly photography. So j just give us um, just give us some classic ideas of like uh, a massive uh, ten foot wide uh, piece of photography over the sofa in the living room. What might be an intimate piece in that same room? Would it be um, an abstract expressionist artist? oil on canvas would it be a more intimate watercolor would it be something as soft as a pencil drawing how do, how do you balance that i'm so interested in the the collection idea the curated yeah. thought process well a lot of the a lot of the times i love you know like i'm working in a home now i would love to put this big robert uh, we you mentioned polidori i love you know working with the architectural photographers and i love to be able to put a big piece in a library and you walk out of a library and you walk into an entrance you know a big entranceway hall and maybe there's a big alex katz i mean you could put portraits with photography you could you know it depends on the layout of the home as you know and and the rooms and the feelings but i i tend to do a lot more with architectural photography because I think it adds and, and it complements um, a lot of the work that I do with the abstract expressionists. So, you know, it depends. It varies. I, um, yeah, I, think, I, I, I love vintage photography. I would love to, you know, I could see doing small, wall, like a whole wall of small paint, of a small vintage photos. Yeah, I would agree with you. That would be gorgeous. Yeah. And also I've seen you take some of those like Renaissance masterpiece palaces I think in a Palladori photograph and put them in the most contemporary architectural space in New York. And that works incredibly yeah. well. Um, I, we're just literally running out of time. You got to answer this real yeah. question for me because I think it's really important and it's uh, almost silly. But what's this idea in your head about uh, color matching interiors to the artwork? Um, I try not to look at that at all. I try to like really get someone interested in the artwork for itself and it doesn't have to be one color that matches it just has to be a subject and a feel and i'm not matching the color sofa to your artwork i think that that's <laughs> absolutely the answer that i was looking for and i'm always having trouble answering that for my clients and self i just don't think it's has to be a part of the whole. No. Um, certainly not color matching wise. I mean, the story has to the be. The story needs, and, and that's what I feel interior, you as, an, as a designer knows best. And I look at someone like you to help me with that when I'm doing a home because I really feel like that's what's going to make it very simpatico. Fantastic. Lee, we are out of time. I can't thank you enough for all of your insight and your knowledge. Thank you so much. Will you stick around and take some questions from our listeners uh, when we come back? Would love to. Terrific. Thank you, David. This is At Home. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Let's get right into some of these questions. We always have more than we can answer. So the first one, I am surrounded by windows in my new living room in Hudson Yards, which is cool. uh, probably floor to ceiling glass. I would imagine that's what they look like on the outside. How do I protect the artwork when I do make a, per uh, a purchase, right? If I have so many windows and I have limited walls, I'm assuming here, what do I do? What kind of thoughts? I mean, does photography work well in that? Um, well, if you have a lot of direct sunlight onto the walls, no, photography and works on paper would not work well there. Over time would probably fade, depending on where your windows, how you're facing. But you can do things to shield it. You could put you know, a protectant on the windows, which is not a big deal. And then you can always make sure whatever you have up there is either an oil painting or an acrylic. Or if it's a work on paper, you have to really have very high-end UV glass on it. In front of it. In front of it. And window shields, um, UV window shields. Other than that, I, if you get a lot of sunlight, you don't want to put anything that's on paper there. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true, though, not only in the artwork, which I think is really important and to protect. I think you have a responsibility to protect that. But also, let me tell you, if you have a sun problem, you're having trouble with all of your furniture and your carpeting and everything else inside your apartment. So, yes, uh, get the artwork that you want. Make sure that you protect it. You need to have 
automated solar screens that come down and respond to the light outside. Uh, technology has advanced all of those wonderful mechanisms incredibly well. And you wouldn't even have to worry about it during the day. Literally, you know, if it's a cloudy day, they stay up. If it's not, yeah. they come down and you're at work and you're not even thinking about it. But it is something to think about. I would say I would be really careful with uh, photography. Yes. Uh, other than that, I think you need to be equally as careful, but I think you could get away with it. Uh, here's our second one. Um, I have a wonderful collection of 14 seashore watercolors from my parents. I love them so much, but I literally don't know what to do or how to add to that collection and make it all work. So mm. I'm assuming that it's just these wonderful, probably smaller paintings. You've, I feel like you see those a lot in Cape Cod or in the Hamptons, perhaps. Um, she didn't say anything, um, or he, about what kind of frames they're in. Yeah, that's important. I think that's really important. important. And so that's how I was going to address yeah. it. And maybe they can be, um, maybe the frames can be switched out based yeah. on some of the answers we're going to give her. Yeah. So it depends on how much wall space you're trying to cover and how many you, you have 14, you said. So you want to maybe frame them uniformly so that they... And maybe make them, if you're trying to cover more wall space, make them bigger. If you're not, make them smaller. But, you know, with a little more information, I think I think um, if you're trying to add to it, if the subject is, what was, David, the wa they're, water? They're seashore, she, yeah. seashore so watercolors from her parents. Maybe there are some other artists. Maybe you can even add some, uh, you know, a great piece of photography next to it. It depends on how much walls you're trying to cover. Yeah, I, I think I think the frames are incredibly important. important. That that's a unifying factor. I don't necessarily think that you have to have more watercolors. Uh, actually, I think perhaps less you would less is better want, sometimes. Yeah, less is better. I would definitely deal with scale. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that maybe these are 12 by 18, just to throw out a number. You're going to want to go to the next size up, and in the pieces that you select, um, and. And also, I think you might need to think that they all don't need to be in the same room together. So that might help you. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe three would be beautiful in the powder room. And that's a story onto itself. And two can go into one of the guest rooms, et cetera, et cetera. So they're not so overwhelming and they're not so much a part of the public spaces. So I would also try that. Um, I do like when frames talk to each other because that's a unifying factor for anything, whether it's street art that you buy, you know, in a street fair in New York and all of that. It all works better if you uh, have a common frame yeah, or a uniform frame sort of thing so that's a great answer to that here's number three is it best to buy one large painting or or photograph or several for the spaces above my sofa that seems like a really personal choice yeah i'll say i'll jump right in here there was a period of time since I've known you, that everybody was buying big pieces of art. And it was like you'd walk into a home and it'd be like one big piece here, mm -hmm. one big piece there, one big. Mm -hmm. I am absolutely against mm -hmm. that. It goes a little bit back to the second question. Um, mix those sizes up, mix those scales up. There are, I think you need to think of it more as intimate spaces and more public spaces. Uh, you want a lot of room around your artwork. I think it's. You know, you don't want anything crammed into a corner. And then when you're on top of it, like a hallway or a powder room, and you have a chance to be intimate with it, then I think the paintings get smaller, more delicate, yeah. and and 
and and more of a personal response back and forth to it. And you don't have to always hang a horizontal piece because your couch is long and horizontal. Sometimes it's great to put the odd b- big vertical piece. If it's going to be large, it could be vertical. It doesn't always have to be exactly the dimensions it's, you know, that you you're used to seeing everywhere. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, I almost always when confronted with a large horizontal plane, always do a perpendicular vertical thing, whether it's um, a piece of art or even just a large scale mirror, just to break up all of what is a horizontal band around the apartment or house. We have here my husband and I, oh, this is interesting because we were talking about it a little bit. My husband and I love to walk around the galleries in Chelsea. Uh, should we hire an art consultant? <laughs> Probably, yes. Uh, before we buy anything, or are we actually getting uh, a fair deal from the gallery owners and the people inside the gallery? So I, I've heard this before. Like, are they really going to sell to me? Am I really going to do okay? I've never bought a piece of art before. How do I handle that? I get that question a lot. Yeah. So, so you know walking around chelsea it, you know if it, it helps to be with an art consultant that knows everybody so they can kind of take you through the back rooms and see things that you might not normally see just walking through um, because of the relationships we all have over the years but i i think i think in general of course you know they're going to give you a a fair deal if you walk in there and you want to buy something but i think it it does help to have someone guide you through, you know, someone who knows all the dealers in Chelsea and someone who can, you know, kind of show you the ropes. And, you know, it, it, it's just a big help, I think. I think it's, um, it, it's something that y- you should consider doing. Right, because I think one of the great joys about being a professional is that the back rooms are always available to you. And some of the most incredible... items or pieces even furniture but paintings and art can be behind that closet door or downstairs in the basement because at the time the gallery is just not interested in showing that but your story what you may want is downstairs and it helps to indicate to the gallery owner a little bit more the information that you want so you can speak to them yeah you might not know what to ask them when you walk in there we are so running out of time we have to be very very quick with this i love your conversation about abstract expression there is no way that I can afford it. How do I get the expression and also enjoy it at the same time? How do you start collecting artists of the same, you know? I think she's basically saying whatever I enjoy about it is, do I start Mm. to look for uh, uh, contemporary artists who that I could possibly afford? You know, there's so many young artists, emerging artists and young artists there. that look up to all these abstract expressionists that have have studied in school and learned and 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 want to be and and have have modeled their their style of art after these artists and Perfect. those are the ones you need to find. Right? And just start looking, Absolutely. look closer. Lee, Absolutely. thank you again for being with us. What a joy for me. I've been waiting a long time for it. I've been extremely excited to have you on the show tonight. I hope we can do it again. Maybe we should have a show just on abstract expressionism because it. you are <laughs> an expert. Please take a look at Lee's beautiful collection of art at her website, weberfineart.com. 
I want to thank everyone here at talkradio.com, Schoolhouse, number six productions. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to try. Benjamin Keegan for my music, and a special call out and thanks to Jason Forbach. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Twitter and Twitter at Home with DTI. And remember to take a look at my website, davidthiergartnerinteriors.com. Join us next week as we speak to Eugene Fisk from Fisk Consultants. Eugene and I will talk all about the intricate and difficult world of audiovisual systems for your home. Stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And remember, until next week, on the radio, the best designs for your life start at home. Bit by bit, putting it together. Piece by piece, only way to make a work of art. First of all, you need a good foundation, otherwise it's risky from the start. Takes a little cocktail conversation, but without the proper preparation. Having just a vision's no solution, everything depends on execution. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, are you interested in blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies? Then tune in here on Talk Radio. NYC with me, David, every Friday, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time, as we answer your questions and interview great guests live on internet radio on Building the Blockchain, where you can catch the blockchain revolution. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network, 